Hey, this is Jonathan with Marketplace Gold. And today I have got a interview with Matt G. Can you pronounce your last name for us just Gumke. so I don't screw it up? Gumkey. Gumkey. That's what I thought. That's what I that's what I thought. But you never you never know. They're in the wilds of uh, Scotland. They they you never know. You never know how they wrap their tongues around around their their names. And he has got a story for all of us. He was scammed for over $150,000 by the USI tech mining scheme in 2017. And being scammed for six figures resulted in a cascade of misfortunes for him that culminated in him ending up homeless in the woods in Scotland, which just sounds soggy to me. But uh, fortunately, he managed to uh, hunt squirrels or whatever sorts of mythological creatures abide there in the woods. And he managed to make quite the comeback. And so we're going to get into all of the uh, details of that here. I think that it's going to be an instructive hour here. Uh, we're going to try to share with the listeners uh, as, mu as much as we can what they need to know so that they can avoid being uh, scammed similarly because it is a, a landscape out there in the cryptocurrency world. It's a it's an exciting world, but it is a landscape that is rife with predators. And uh, people should be, you know, probably a bit more risk averse than they uh, tend to be given the uh, given the appeal and the sexiness of the space right now. And so Matt is joining me from Mexico City or Ciudad de Mexico, however you however you say it. How are you doing today, bro? Awesome. How are you? Great. Great. Yeah. So we were just uh, chatting. I had found you via the uh, book, rather short, but uh, punchy book that you had put out there on Amazon, uh, just about cryptocurrency scams. And your story was, I, I, uh, in the, I don't know, two hours that it took me to read it, to read it, I was just saying to myself, ooh, this is a painful experience that this guy went through at a pretty young age. Yeah. So you so, want me to tell the whole story? Yeah, yeah, sure. Let's, yeah, for the people that don't know it. Okay, so basically um, when I was about 16, I inherited money from my grandparents and I had a little studio apartment and that was paid for in cash so I was I was very lucky I would always have parties have my friends over and during that time I learned about Bitcoin uh, to buy weed online because my dealer was so expensive uh, 12 pounds 50 a gram in Scotland so I was like how can I find weed so I went to the internet how can I buy weed online and it just seemed too risky to send the local currency pounds to someone because it was illegal 
And so I learned about Bitcoin and there was an online marketplace, Silk Road. And so I bought my first weed online. I think I spent, it was like 12 Bitcoins. And then 12 Bitcoins. 12 Bitcoins. I know. We uh, that, was, that was the real scam. That was the real scam. Um, and then and then soon it was it was like 35 bitcoins. And I was like, whoa, this this Bitcoin thing keeps going up. But then I ordered weed from oh my god, I don't know if I can sell this. Uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, I ordered weed from from Mexico, and then there was a big uh, court thing, and I decided I got I got away with everything, but I decided, you know, I can't be I can't be doing this Bitcoin thing. My friend that I told about it, he, he, he was more concerned about the Bitcoin than the actual what I was doing with the Bitcoin. So when I was when I was going to buy the Bitcoin, uh, I set up, I can't remember, some bank. And then I, I sent him that, that money and then he would send me the Bitcoin. So he, he was very worried about that. And so I thought, you know, I'm not going to do this, this Bitcoin thing again. Because of all the all the problems with the going to court and with having to speak to my lawyer and then the, the stress it was putting on my relationship at the time. And I just decided this Bitcoin thing is not good. And then I moved into a, a new place because my grandparents actually died and then I got a little bit more. So I put that towards a, a like a one bedroom apartment instead of a studio. Mm-hmm. And so then I broke up with my girl because we thought like when we moved into a bigger place, we thought we were just button heads because it was such a small place and we were like living together. Um, and then once we had more like a second room, a living room, like one person would be able to be in the living room and be able to spend more time not together. But then we realized, you know, that wasn't the problem. It was more fundamental in our relationship. That was the problem. Mm-hmm. So she left and then I felt like I had all these bad memories in this property and I was doing a direct selling um like in the street stopping people in the street and my my mother hated that and she hated that and she they said it was like a pyramid scheme really it wasn't it was just direct selling and then you would you would recruit your team and you could build a team you know i guess it is a i guess it's a pyramid or it's multi-level marketing so I'm, I'm fine with multi-level marketing still. I don't think there's too much of an issue because I think if you're a winner, if you're a winner, you're going to succeed in multi-level marketing. So, so, you know, that was a bit of a problem. And then when I had an argument with the owner of that company, I didn't have another job and I didn't want to go back into being a carer assistant, looking after old people because it was so, they were always dying and I was always getting sick. And if I wanted to make more money, I would have to work loads of hours. And then because of all the stress from working loads of hours, I, I, I needed, it felt like I needed to spend the money because it was so stressful. I just wanted to like blow money when I wasn't working. So I decided none of, none of this was me. I didn't want to stay in Scotland. I felt like a lot of my friends, they were jealous because I inherited so much money so young and they were kind of resentful of me as well. So I was like, I need to just be in a new place, new people. So I moved out, I moved to the States to live with my dad. I rented the apartment where I was living. And my dad painted this picture, like everything's gonna be amazing. You're not gonna pay any rent. Uh, you're gonna the be able American to- American dream. <laughs> American dream. No, he, he said I would be able to live there for free and keep, keep all the rent. And I was thinking about like buying more properties and change my life and stuff. But then when I got there, oh, he really, he really screwed me big time. So he, he wanted me to start paying rent and the rent was equivalent what I was actually getting from my so I could have lived on my own in Scotland 
and he was charging me the same amount of rent as what I was getting for my apartment and I had to live with him. So it was a big, it was a big, it was bad. And, uh, and then he also wanted me to get a car, everything so spread out in the States. So then I was automatically straight away in debt to my dad because he helped me buy this car. And I felt like I was just paying him money. Every, every paycheck, I was just paying him money, paying him money, paying him money. And it was just, it was crazy. And, uh, but, the, but the, the thing was, he was teaching me how to become the manager of a hotel because he manages hotels. So I thought this is good for my future. And I was becoming very good with people for the first time. Um, you know, talking to people all day. They loved my accent. They loved my story and stuff. And so I was then the housekeeping manager there. And then he wanted to move to Minneapolis, a bigger city instead of North. We were in North Dakota and we were the number one hotel for three years in a row. No bad reviews the entire time because we had a great relationship with the guests. If they ever had a problem where they were going to leave a one-star review, we would always just sort it out and make sure that it was a, a five-star review. So then we moved to the bigger hotel. It was a bigger opportunity for him. Uh, the owner was a, a kid. He was about 24 at the time. His dad's really rich. So he was just buying him all these hotels. So this was his second hotel. And he was talking about owning five hotels by the end of the year. He just kept acquiring hotels, or at least that was the plan when we first got there. But then we ran into some you know, issues. The reviews weren't very good. We were maybe about three star and the employees weren't the same. They, you know, they weren't hard workers. They just kept messing around. And I was very serious about making sure everyone's doing their job and that we're getting five star reviews because I'm used to the success of the previous hotel. And so, um, and so I, I don't know, they, they felt like I was just getting opportunities because I was the boss's son. So there was a lot of resentment there that I felt. And I was just, uh, they talk about in network marketing that you're at high noon, like you're looking for an opportunity. So then I saw some guy, he was talking about, you know, no one ever got rich working a job, blah, blah, blah. And he hit me with this ad. And so I started the network marketing. Uh, I done. I was selling this thing called Protandum. And again, everyone says it's a scam. Everyone says it's a pyramid scheme. Everyone says like, oh, they're just taking your money and blah, blah, blah. And so I already had this mindset that anything I do to do with selling or network marketing, everyone's just going to say it's a Ponzi scheme. Everyone's just going to say it's a scam. So I was like, oh, I, like no matter what I do, they're just going to say it's a Ponzi scheme. So that set me up mentally negatively going forward for this when it actually was a real Ponzi scheme. So I feel like parents, they need to be supportive of their children if they're doing a legit network marketing opportunity, because it could, if, they, if they're so negative about it, it could lead them into a real scam. And that's what happened to me is because I just learned to ignore what anyone says about network marketing because they're wrong, basically. So, so then uh, I realized yeah, like that, that perhaps made you a little bit uh, it made me just ignore what anyone would say in the future, you know? So sure. I was really struggling with this, struggling to sign people up. And, um, and so, so I, I was like, oh, I need to quit this. And so I was, I was looking for a new opportunity again. I needed to change my life. I didn't want to become the manager of a hotel and work for like 50K a year. I knew, you know, I'd be so screwed on 50K a year living in the States. You know, it'd be fine here in Mexico. You'd be doing really well here in Mexico, but in the States, like, 
you're just not going to be able to make it properly. Um, and, you know, because I, I didn't want to live in North Dakota or somewhere back. I wanted to live in like L.A. or somewhere cool. So I'm like, I can't make 50K a year. Yeah, so, you have to make it to at least 60K. They say to like all these different health and mental health and well-being and enjoying life. You got to make it to 60K in the U.S. or else US, life is yeah. not so peachy. Yeah, and then, and then girls are looking for millionaires in the U.S. as well. You can't, you, you just you're just gonna have to just you know not even have any sex or anything if you're making 60k so, so I, 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 I might disagree with you a little bit on that one but we'll, we'll continue with the story no nah, i mean i mean but i mean i feel like you just need to take what you get when you're making 60k in the states but anyway um i found uh, another ad from ty lopez and he was there with his lamborghini uh, here I am in my garage with a Lamborghini. So I signed up for the 67 steps. Um, and then he launched the, I, I love the 67 steps. I learned so much about life. I felt like I was so far ahead of people just in understanding and all the things they were worrying about that I just knew that's not even worth worrying about. So then I joined his social media marketing agency and I decided, you know, screw the hotel. I just wanted to do the social media marketing agency full time. And I had like a, a few clients in the pipeline and instead of, instead of um, getting a client first, I was like, oh, I can do this, I can do this. And so all my, my potential clients that just all fell through and I'd quit my job. And at the same time, I was going to this emotional intelligence training seminar thing. Another thing they told me was a Ponzi scheme because at some point you had to start recruiting people. And that's when I didn't like it. I got so much benefits that I felt like I wanted to tell people about it anyway. But then when they were pressuring me to recruit people, I thought, I can't do this. I can't take someone's last 500 bucks telling them it's going to change their life. When I know if you go to zero, like you're screwed. Yeah, so, it's super important to listen to your conscience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so I, they, they were telling me like, you only live once. You need to go after your dreams and blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, you know what I want to do? I want to just, I want to travel across the States in my truck and, you know, not really think about anything, anything serious. So that's what I was doing. I went from Philadelphia, I drove in my truck throughout like the Midwest and ended up in Vegas. I wanted to end up in California, but I couldn't figure out. I was still trying to close clients for social media, but it just wasn't how, I don't know, like who would trust some kid traveling the world in this truck? I wouldn't. So, 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 but I was so delusional that I, I could do anything. Like they were telling me they're saying, you can do anything. So I, I want to do anything. I want to go in my truck and sign people up on the phone. So, um, so then I ended up in Vegas and I was just like burning through my money. And um, then we had, and then I decided, you know, I wanted to meet all my, my idols. Oh, and by, by, I forgot to mention, I'd sold my property by then because I was getting into a little bit of, uh, a little bit of debt. And so I just wanted to like have actual, like, instead of having this asset, and, and having a little bit of debt, like credit card debt or whatever as well, I wanted to just sell my asset and actually be in a cash position, which was stupid. It was really stupid. Um, and then I was- I Yeah, was like, there, there's a little bit of a trade-off with the psychological cost of having debt obligations. So I can, I can understand a little bit the decision. Yeah. Oh no, it just messes me up when I've got debt. So, and, and, and during this time in Vegas, I, I was going to all these events and I realized Bitcoin is like a thousand dollars. 
And so I was at this, um, I, it was when I was in Vegas, I invested in Bitcoin. So my net worth went from like, like 150,000 US down to about 60,000 just from, just from mismanaging this business, mismanaging my YouTube, mismanaging everything, spending too much money. I, I had like all these middle-class habits that I couldn't give up, like going to restaurants and I couldn't cook any meals. It was just, it was just ridiculous. I was spending the, the money, it was ridiculous. And so I saw Bitcoin was going up. And so I invested the entire 58,000 in Bitcoin. And then it went up to, oh, it was just flying. It was just flying. And so then there it was, was a tremendously emotionally exhilarating. It was amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. It was the best. It was just going up like hundreds a day or thousands a day. I thought I was getting rich. And, <laughs> and, um, and so then the Vegas massacre happened. And I decided to go to Mexico and it happened like right after this Tony Robbins business mastery conference. So I was really putting a lot more effort into my networking and meeting people. I thought, you know, this is where I can get clients. If I go to these expensive events, I'll be able to get clients. And then after the massacre, it was very depressing in Vegas. It was all everyone was talking about for two weeks. And I was really mentally traumatized. Like I was smoking. I think they investigated it for about two weeks total as well. Right. Oh yeah, and I was into all these conspiracies about it. And yeah, for sure. I was just I was going off the deep end and smoking so much weed and so depressed. And um I was like, okay, I'm I want to go traveling, I want to go somewhere cheap, I want to go somewhere fun and exciting. So I went to Mexico City. And and then I was posting all my gains from crypto because it wasn't just Bitcoin, it was into a couple others. I was posting all my gains on crypto on Facebook. And then someone from Business Match Mastery reached out to me. And they were talking about this Ponzi scheme. I was like, oh man, like the gains that they're making, they were talking about like 40% a month investing in this mining company. And I was like, so, oh, mining. okay. So was this a totally random person that hit you up on social media? It was, uh, it was a guy I met in the line to the bathroom at Tony Robbins Business Mastery. Okay. So we got talking. He said he had a, a, a festival um called flow vibe and i thought wow this guy's rich he's got a festival like you know i'm thinking i'm thinking like tomorrow. i'm festive yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm festive i like go festivals and so i'm thinking this guy knows what he's talking about he's got the money to invest in something like this he must be intelligent and I, I don't think he was trying to scam me he had lots of concerns that it was a ponzi scheme but the person that signed him up I ended up connected with her and she was very charming, good looking. She was very flirtatious. And, uh, and so I invested a little bit and then it was working. So I invested a bit more and a bit more and a bit more. And then eventually- It wasn't, it wasn't like 150,000 in one not, go. Not all in one go, but then I can't remember how many Bitcoin, I'm gonna send you the emails of exactly how many Bitcoin I sent, but it must've yeah, been like- five six or seven bitcoin or something something ridiculous for, for the listeners i read the book and i said to myself one hundred fifty thousand loss that's a pretty tall claim and so you sent me some screenshots of verification that was one screenshot but there's tons of screenshots like i was sending i was sending like maybe like a thousand at a time or you know because I, I just didn't believe it i thought this is obviously a ponzi scheme 
and but I was just so attracted to the returns. I was just getting so greedy, and I, I knew, so I knew, did like, did you, did you do any due diligence on USI tech? Yeah, yeah. Like I was listening to the owners, and they sounded good. But then also at the same time, I saw all the things talking about their previous Ponzi schemes. But I was like, oh no, they're so trustworthy. They would never do that. They've changed. They've changed. What? What? What was I thinking? They've changed. Like that's one of the things I told myself. Oh, they've changed. But anyway, I just, I, I just had more and more and more. And then eventually, I realized it was all coming down. And I was in depre- I was depressed in bed for like two weeks. And I remember standing over the edge of the, the. I was staying in this hotel. I was like standing over the edge. Sure. Of the so can I? I was like, you should know? I kill myself? Should I kill myself? And I was like, nah, I'm gonna come back from this. You know, I believed that I was going to come back for this. I was like, looking back, I was completely delusional. Like, I, I feel like I got so lucky that I'm even coming back. But um, I think like a bit of delusion can actually help you be successful. Yeah, sure. There's some myths that we can tell ourselves, tell ourselves. That, can, that might not be totally aligned with reality, but can be you that can be useful. So did you, uh, so, okay, what I've heard about many scams is that one of the clear red flags is when the team is not real people or when the people behind it seem to have a very shallow persona that you can, that you can look into. You know, if I was going to put money into something, I would want to basically like find whoever is like the mother of the person who's behind what I'm putting money into, go and find them out there somewhere on social media or whatever. So was there, what were the red flags with USI tech that are apparent to you now that you may have ignored at the time? Well, I mean that they were involved in previous scams. Oh yeah, yeah. The guy was so charismatic, and I've been. I, it's rare you get burned by these these people that are charismatic. Usually, you can tell a shady person right off the bat. You think so? I don't know. Cause, yeah, because like I say, sometimes they're charismatic. I was friends with this guy in Scotland, and he was so nice. He was so nice to me. He was lovely. But there, I would hear all these stories about how he just like beat beat people up so bad and like left them with like a broken jaw and, and all this stuff. And I was like, nah, he's not really like that. But then his friends were really sketchy. Like they would steal stuff on my house and he would always borrow clothes from me and I'd never see the clothes. Like, cause I used to buy really nice designer clothes and they, they would always go missing. There would always be some story and he would always be so charming and come back and he would like bring weed or something and smoke me up for free. And it was just, he was so manipulative. Mm. And, um, but yeah, I don't really get burned by these people anymore. I can just yeah, uh, learn your lesson the hard way. Yeah, I just tell. Um, but then like life took a turn for the worst after that. I was down to my last like 10K. And you know, for for me now, if I was down to my last 10K, I'd be I'd be fine. But coming from having like 150, I, I think at the peak it was 180K. So to go down to 10K, like I was panicking. I was panicking. I, I, I knew like the writing was on the wall. I'm about to go broke here because I didn't really have any income. I was just living on my assets. So I went back to the States. I got a client. It was so lucky. Like 
to go from struggling so hard to get a client to just going back to the United States. First uh, business seminar I went to, got a client straight away. He had eight food businesses. I, I, I was like, oh my God, I'm, I, I'm so lucky. I'm a genius. I've made it again. Everything's going to be fine. And so he was paying me, he was paying me about 3,500 a month. Um, and I was renting this, like a room in this mansion, you know, c compared to the houses in Scotland, there's a lot more space in the States. So everyone's got a bit of a bigger home. So to me, it felt like a, I was living in this mansion, sure. it had a pool, had a hot tub. And um, I was like, this is great. Waterfall? Yeah. Yeah. Did you see how? No, no, no. I just, it's, it's not a mansion if it doesn't have an indoor waterfall. No, it wasn't an indoor waterfall. It was a, it was, it was just like a little fountain thing in the pool. It oh, I don't know if that counts. I don't know if that really nah, 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 nah. I mean, it's like, <laughs> it's like a middle-class home. You know, okay, upper, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, fair enough. Respectable, respectable. It's respectable. Yeah. And, um, so that only lasted about two months before I got fired because I got in a argument with the the other marketing person. She hated me. She she hated me from the beginning because I was much better on social media. I was teaching her all these new things, and she just she wasn't prepared to learn anything. She just she just hated me straight away. And she had more of an official training rather than Ty Lopez. She she actually went to college, mm -hmm. but she just thought everything I knew was just a fugazi. I guess like it, it kind of was. <laughs> so, so anyway, within a couple of months, I was fired there. And then I had this big monthly expenses. And so I was just going broke in this place. And my friend Pablo helped me. He helped me rent a room in a, a much smaller place with his friends. And I was, I was kind of looking for a job then because I realized, you know, I'm not going to be able to come back from this. I'm down to like my last 500 bucks. And I think I even had credit card debt by then as well. So I realized I'm not going to come back from this. I need to get a job. I need to like be normal for a bit. And I just couldn't, couldn't get a job. And I spent my last of my money flying home to Scotland to escape all my credit card debt in the States. And as soon as I got back, my mother, she wasn't the same. She hated me. She, you know how like women hate low status men or broke men, like, my mother was like that. She hated me. She hated everything about me. She was horrible. And um, that must have been almost one of the most painful parts of the yeah, whole thing. Yeah. She told me I'm a loser. She told me uh, like I should kill myself basically. And I don't deserve anything good. And that I've ruined the family's money and, and she, uh, everything was my fault. Anything that went wrong in her life was now my fault everything was my fault. And she started telling her friends like, oh, Matthew, Matthew's taking a gap year, Matthew's, she, she would make up all these excuses for me instead of just telling the truth. And she would try and paint this like lovely picture of, my life has fallen apart, man. And so I was, I was like uh, going out a lot, drinking a lot. Um, and I started to focus more on SEO, but I couldn't really get that working either. Like nothing I could do was working, nothing was working, but it was all like in my mind, my mindset was so bad. And then I got an opportunity on Amazon. One of uh, someone I knew from, how did I meet him? From the social media marketing agency. He was one of the most successful people there. Mm -hmm. And he was doing Amazon. And so he, I was like, look, dude, I'm screwed. I, I, I have no money, nothing. And so he said he was going to fund my store. And he taught me this method of drop shipping that wasn't allowed on Amazon. So I went from zero to making 
3,500 a week on Amazon in like a month because I was working so hard. Like every second of the day was uploading these products to Amazon. And we were using this scraper tool and basically drop shipping other people's products that were on the US store. And we were uploading them to Canada, Mexico, all these other countries. But then I got banned on Amazon, lost everything again. Like I, I had a job. I was, I was like, oh my, I can get a job. Uh, while I'm while I'm starting on Amazon and make sure everything's all right. But then I started making so much on Amazon. I quit my job. I didn't realize everything I was doing wasn't allowed. And so then I had no job, no Amazon. No fly clothes. No fly clothes. No fly clothes. No ho actually I did I I was I had some girls. But uh, just everything was going wrong. Everything was going wrong. And so I tried like a couple other businesses. I tried to make a tourism business. At that time, I went on a Harry Potter tour and a ghost tour. And at the end, everyone was doing donations and there was like 20 people and everyone gave like five, 10 bucks. I was like, wow, she just made 150 quid in an hour and a half. I was like, that's pretty cool. I'm gonna do that. And so I knew SEO, I, was, I wanted to rank this website. I started ranking uh, this website and I realized this Harry Potter tour, they have too many backlinks. So what can I come first in? And so I was first for Edinburgh exotic car tours. And, uh, but no one was signing up for these exotic car tours, even though I was first, they were just going to the main player. Um, so I was just gonna arbitrage the service. If I ever got a sale, I was gonna go to them and rent the exotic and just white label their service. Mm -hmm. But that didn't work. Uh, I ended up, I didn't even have enough money to, for the hosting on the website. And so I just, I just went all in on, on reading books. I realized, you know, I've screwed up my life listening to all these, all these mentors that don't really care about me. And Ty was always talking about, um, the knowledge you'll gain in books and the wisdom you gain in books. So I started summarizing all these books for YouTube and I only had about 200 subscribers for the longest. And I was living in this. So, so during that time I ended up going homeless and living in a tent in, in the forest because I didn't grow up in poverty. I didn't know uh, that the government will give you somewhere to live if you don't have anywhere to live. And I would walk across the streets, you know, the streets in Edinburgh and there was always homeless people. And I thought, wow, these people have just fallen off. And once you fall off, that's it, you're done. Like your life is over. And so I didn't want to like be in the city center begging and anything like this. I wanted to be somewhere safe. And I was from this really safe area uh, with a big, big forest. And I thought I can just live in this forest really easily. And, and, you know, take whatever it was like, it was like 300 a month from the government and just scrape by really scrape by. And, and I can at least try and figure something out. I was reading all these books. I would go to the library, the university library and sit there all day. Sometimes I would just drink loads and loads of, um, of caffe you know, caffeinated drinks and just stay up for days, like reading all these books and <laughs> summarizing all these books. It was just crazy. Like, like and, a scene out of Limitless. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was so miserable and I had like um, loads of acne because I was drinking all this BS and eating all this. I was just eating, um, I, I figured out that if you go to the supermarket late at night, they sell all the bread that they couldn't sell that day for like almost nothing. and. My bread doesn't agree with my body, but I would just eat it anyway because it was so cheap. And it was just, I was just so sick, so sick. And um, then my friend from, from Bulgaria, the one that lives in Spain, mm -hmm. he was, um, 
he, he, he appeared to be really successful. I met him at a marketing conference in Vegas. And, and so he was like, just come to Barcelona. And, and by this time I was in a like government supported unit and there was loads of like drug addicts living there. And it was really bad. I was just spending all day summarizing books and nothing was happening on the YouTube. No one cared about the books. And um, so I went to Barcelona, lived with him. And that was the first time I felt like, wow, life's awesome because I went from this horrible place to living in this uh, beautiful apartment on the main street in Barcelona. And we were always, there was always people there and we were always having a good time and we were, we were making sales on the, or they were making sales on the phone. I couldn't even speak Spanish, but I was doing the SEO and ranking the website. And right. so, and so that was, that was good. That was good. But then I, I realized, dude, he's in more debt than I am. And, and he has this mindset where it doesn't matter how much debt he's in or how screwed he is, he'll find a way to make sales. He'll find a way to get like a couple grand a week or something. But then he was just spending, spend, spending like crazy. I was like, yeah, I, I once spent two Bitcoins in two weeks in Barcelona. Why? Oh, it was, when was this? 2015, 2016. So oh, it was that long. Yeah, yeah. It was, it, was, it was worth a whole lot less. And it was a fun two weeks. But the, I, I wish I had not done that. In fact, after that, I went to Valencia, which is like real Spain and it's a whole lot cheaper. It's a whole lot lower cost of living there. So yeah, like I think, you know, there's this, there's great transformational uh, growth benefits that can flow from going to new places. But if you're a young person who wants to go and do the digital nomad thing, I, I urge people to go someplace go someplace cheap, like make a little bit of a, make a little bit of a trade-off in living in some of all the, enjoying all these cosmopolitan amenities to be someplace a bit, a bit, a bit cheaper. And it'll be a more, it'll be a more sustainable thing. And you'll teach yourself to be a little bit more disciplined about money. Yeah. 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 So this whole time I was like trying to make money online, but I wasn't actually making money online. Like it was, it was really, I couldn't figure out how to actually make money online. I tried, I tried e-commerce. I tried uh, the YouTube, couldn't get it going. I tried everything. Actually, I had about, I was getting about a hundred a month or a couple hundred a month from Kindle at that time uh, while I was, while I was working with him, mm -hmm. but then coronavirus hit and it was, it was about March last year. I was broke, man. I, I had to leave again back to Scotland with no money. And by then, I mean, I said my mom, my mother hated me the first time. I mean, she hated me because she actually had to, she had to pay for my flight home. It was so bad. Um, she hated me and it's still not the same. I don't know if she knows that I'm successful now, but I've not spoke to her in months. Um, it would, the, the prospect of reconciliation there would seem dim because the, the only, she's assigning value only based upon your material success, it would seem. And that's, that, yeah, like if you're just a dollar sign in someone's eyes, then there's, there's kind of not a lot of hope there, to be frank. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, she grew up with money. My, my granddad was a doctor. 
high status guy had a had a nursing home my when he met my grandmother he like kind of put her on in this nursing home she 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 had never even thought about like dating some broke guy or that her son would ever be broke or like it's a foreign concept to her and she she's very posh like she's not just she's not just well off like she went to a good school she talks a lot more posh than me and um it's just like the thought of having a loser son is just she hates me she says she, she wishes i was never born everything and so i'm sorry about that that's that's hard i mean it is what it is and so i was back in the supported accommodation from march last year until until um about about july i got in on some of the bailouts from the states because of my dual citizenship and that was when i was like wow you know I, I invested in some crypto i started trading which by the way i don't really trade anymore because i i made a huge huge i lost so much money so now i just stick to like crypto and long-term investing maybe if i trade again it'll be like a hundred bucks and i'll try and run up a hundred bucks account but i was trading with like my entire net worth at one at one point so I decided I can't be in Scotland um, over the winter. And so October, it was like the beginning of October 1st, I went back to Barcelona because I liked it in Barcelona and the, the weather was much better. I didn't want to spend the, the winter in Scotland. And I was seeing this girl for a bit and then it deteriorated with this girl. I was like, I, you know, the only real reason that I was in Barcelona is because I wanted to see her and my friends. He wasn't really in Barcelona. He was, he was just nearby. So I was like, this sucks. I don't like it here. And I was living on this little boat. I was like, damn. And my my lawyer here in Mexico was saying, man, you're burning through money in Barcelona. Here in Mexico, you'll be living like a king. And my YouTube was actually starting to be a bit more successful now. I was Yeah, maybe, I checked it out today. This was oh. this was this was just like in December. And and I thought. If I can go, if I can move to Mexico, I don't need to sell stuff because I was selling these AirPods, um, like fake AirPods on the side. I thought if I go to Mexico, I don't need to waste all this time meeting people selling AirPods. I can just go all in on YouTube. And since then, my YouTube's doubled, but the, the income's like quadrupled. And basically now I'm financially free just from the YouTube ad revenue. And, and it's crazy. It's crazy. It happened so fast. And I need to just keep sustaining it, keep uploading the videos. Um, yeah, you're in the midst. Yeah, that's of basic. A, that's of basic. A yeah, now now crypto's flying. Um, XRP was up at fifty cents today, which is my main and main holding. And so, life's just changed for the better here in Mexico. I've got tons of. You should see my Tinder. I've got about three hundred matches. It's <laughs> <crazy>. Congratulations. <laughs> Bien suerte, bien suerte. Okay, so in your in your book, you wrote, never invest in other people's mining equipment. If they own loads of mining equipment, why do they need your investment? Why not just mine the coins themselves? It's because they don't have any mining equipment. They want to scam you. And I, I was curious, if you think that there are any legitimate mining investment opportunities that might be out there. I mean, probably, but I don't want to invest in it. Yeah, it, it seems like unless it's a 
computer or server that you have in your own closet, it would, it would seem like you're putting a lot of faith in someone else when their incentive is going to, I understand that in, okay, in startup businesses, in uh, software businesses, in all sorts of businesses, they raise investor capital to make uh, industrial investments to buy things like equipment. But cryptocurrency is this, this whole space is pretty peripheral to this large legal gray zone where it's, it's if, if you invest in, I don't know, some software company, some tech startup, and they totally scam you, there's a lot of legal recourse options that are on the table, potentially. Whereas with something like cryptocurrency, the people that have cryptocurrency don't want the feds to really know about it very much. So the, yeah, it would seem to me that it would just, and I've seen on the crypto talk forums, I see crypto mining stuff advertised all the time. And it's, it's an appealing on the face of it. It's, it seems like it might, it would be a beautiful passive income kind of opportunity, but you would, you would have to have such intimate understanding of the technical details of crypto mining to be able to audit exactly what they're doing and ensure that they're giving you the cut of the proceeds that you deserve, that it, it seems to me like something that should probably just be categorically avoided. Avoided. Well, what happened, I just remember now, the reason I invested so deep after not believing in it for so long and only having like maybe a couple grand in. I mean, for now, if I put a couple grand in, that would seem like a lot. But back then, I mean, it was less than, it was like 1% or 2% or something. So of my net assets. So it didn't seem like a lot. But then they went to this mining rig that they had and they basically paid, I think it's Gemini or Genesis or whatever's the biggest mining company. And they paid to access their mining stuff. And the owner was taking pictures with all this mining equipment and like this is our mining equipment and so i was like oh my god it's real and then they paid whoever's the second or the they had two percent of the mining on ethereum they paid whoever had that two percent to change their name on the ethereum might you know the official ethereum thing to say usi tech oh, so wow. it showed usi tech have two percent of the ethereum mining on the official ethereum thing and that's when i was like wow they, they are actually mining all these, all these cryptos. And that's when I went in heavy. If, if you could get into the DeLorean and go back in time and talk to, I would, no, no, you wouldn't I, have done it, but what, what would have you, what would the have money you, was the best thing that ever happened to me. Mm -hmm. It may, I wouldn't have ever been successful. All the success was inherited. It wasn't mine. It wasn't, I, I didn't have to become any, anyone or anything. And it was this chip on my shoulder that I wasn't even successful, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It would have been the, and I never would have learned so many lessons. That's, that's a very mature attitude because the, yeah, if, if you hadn't learned the very expensive lesson, the, uh, that kind of attitudes that it sounds like your mother has would, those would eventually, you know, those would eventually form in, in you. And that's, that's, that's not the way that 
any of us yeah, would I mean, stand up. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I love I love people of all socioeconomic backgrounds. I don't judge people. Like, a lot of guys, they don't just judge women based on, like, how much money they have, but they, be, like, based on their looks, based on this and this. And I don't really judge anyone based on anything. I like their energy, you know? I love people's energy. And and that's how I usually pick, pick my people. And um, I don't know, like... I, I felt if I didn't lose that money, I would have just, I, I never would have ever went to the gym. I never would have, I would have just rested on my laurels my entire life. And there would be, there would be people in my life still that I've removed that, that would still be there. And I'm so glad that they're not, I don't have to deal with them ever again. Yeah. Friends dropped off. Everyone thought I was just going to be a loser. And then I, I know who my real friends are. Like one of my friends from high school, he would he would let me borrow money to get the bus and 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 it seemed like i would never ever ever be able to come back from from everything that was happening it it was like a pipe dream but he was still supportive and still tried to help the best he could and there's not a lot of people like that a couple of other things you had in your book that i noted you said posting my gains on social media oh. was a terrible mistake. Yeah, you, you, I, financial gains. Mm -hmm. gains. Yeah, especially, especially living living in Mexico. Yeah, stupid. Yeah, yeah, but it's I, I understand. I mean, social media is where we show off. So, and you, what what were you like? 20, I love showing off. At the time? I love showing off, man. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. What were you asking? Okay. Uh, yeah. You also said, don't tell anyone about how much crypto you own. And that's a good, that's a good point. Cause there, yeah, there is a, everyone is interested in crypto. It's the sexiest topic of the current year. And there, yeah, there's when some random person or a friend or some extended family member brings it up, there's a real temptation to say, yeah, I got some of that. I got some of that stuff, but you, People, uh, there's there's the telephone game that goes on and you tell one person that you trust a bit that you have this thing that everyone wants right now. And because there's so many clever ways that crypto can be can be stolen, there's so many ways that um, that wallets and computers can be hacked. It's uh, it's it's really better to just to in going forward in my career, because I uh, have a website in this space, I'm going to keep the information I put out there about what I hold, like to really to to a to a minimum, because the yeah the bragging just makes you such a target. Yeah, yeah, and even a girl, um, I, I've been speaking to, like basically, I was telling her that going to university is stupid because she's learning from people that aren't living the life that I'm living. I'm like, if you wanna, if you wanna like learn how to have passive income online and live wherever you want in the world, like why not learn from someone that's actually doing it, not someone that's got a job in a college. And then she was like, oh, well, well, what, like how much do you own? Like what, what, she wanted to know like the results. I'm like, it's none of your business, you know? Yeah, Just, I think that was the right answer. Like, I don't mind sharing people with my YouTube income because that's, you can't really steal that from me, but I'm not going to tell anyone how much 
crypto I own and my net worth and assets. Sure. I mean, it's nothing, impre- it's nothing impressive anyway, but I think soon it's going to be, I think by the end of the year, it's going to be quite impressive if I keep on at the rate I'm going. Yeah, I hope so. You seem very focused. You also wrote in the book, guys on the internet that hit you up, that every single post is about crypto and why it's a great opportunity, block them. And that's, block them. That's a, yeah, that's your, it seems to me that the solicitations that that you receive from random people or even from people that might not be so random that you might have some uh, tangential uh, acquaintance with, it's, and I've gotten, I, I've gotten a bunch of those unwanted solicitations as well. You join any one of these Facebook groups and you start getting unwanted solicitations with people hitting you up about offers. And so it sounds like you, what led you to getting scammed was you got in touch with this upline person who was, yeah, who was charismatic from the person that you met in the line to the bathroom at the at the conference. So it would seem to me a really good idea to just stick to opportunities that you find yourself organically and to be highly wary of anything that comes to you via a random person contacting you personally. Yeah, no, no, don't trust, don't trust any of that. What? And the new thing is the YouTube comments. People comment on my videos like, oh, I invested in so-and-so and I've been making all this Bitcoin or just don't listen to anyone. Don't let, just look, I, I have the mindset, only invest in what you know and what you've done your research on and that you really understand. For example, like I, I, I really understand Airbnb. I understand they have access to all this real estate. I understand Uber because I use it every day. Uh, I understand uh, Apple because I have an iPhone and a, a MacBook. I mean, it's really simple. Just invest in what you know and keep cost averaging into all these things that you know. And eventually you're going to become rich. Okay. What I mean, don't really listen to anyone. Just like you know what you know. And don't, don't second guess yourself with what you know. I mean, when iPhone came out in 2008, everyone knew, wow, this is going to be huge. But who invested? No, I don't know anyone that invested. Everyone knew. Mm-hmm. But everyone second-guessed themselves. Mm-hmm. What so do I, you I think... not do that now. Yeah, yeah. What do you think is a scam right now? What do you think is the next BitConnect? I don't think we're anywhere close to being in a bubble. I think they're all going to come out of the woodwork when we're, when we're getting big, you know, when we're, when we've seen a hundred percent or whatever, a thousand percent gains, that's when they're all going to come out trying to steal our crypto. I, I, I don't, I, I don't, I'm not involved in any of these scammers or I don't know even about any of the current projects that are going now, but I saw one, something gold. You said you lost your, it disappeared on your, on your oh. something gold. Oh, yeah. So I did a YouTube video that people can check out. And it was a company called Gold Money, which is not a cryptocurrency company. It was a company based out of Canada. And they were ostensibly a 
company that just sold precious precious metals that sold gold, platinum, etc. And then they had a patented um, a, some kind of patented system with a computer dashboard. It was basically it was it was well. I am at this point. I'm uncertain that it's a scam. I'm not going to say that as a for sure thing. People can go and look up gold money. It's actually a pretty big company. Uh, it was interestingly enough, it was a company that Alex Soros is invested in, which should tell you a lot about it. And I had, I had George Soros's son, correct. Yeah. And I had started building up a gold portfolio with them. I had I would get paid and then I just put 10% of that into gold. It wasn't actually gold that I had in my own hands. It was just gold that was in their system. And then uh, fortunately, I failed one of their KYC, know your customer steps, and they kicked me out of their system and they sent me back all the money that I had paid supposedly for my gold, which which surprised me because I, at the time, I thought, well, my gold is in uh, Brink's vault somewhere. I, they've got a system that looks pretty legit, cataloging where it is, what the value is, how the value is fluctuating. So I started doing some more research on the company at that point. So a real simple due diligence step to take before you do business with almost any company nowadays is go on Trustpilot and look them up. Trustpilot is, in my view, the best ratings and review directory on the internet. So for this company, Gold Money, there was a significant number of people there on Trustpilot saying that it was damn near impossible for them to get their physical gold out of Gold Money. And then I looked into their auditing and they were audited by a company called KMG, I think. And so I looked into this auditing company and this auditing company has been embroiled in like scandal after scandal. And so I came to the conclusion that, the, that it was quite fortunate that I got my money out of their gold database. So I put out a video uh, about that. If, um, if people are going to buy digital gold, I think that the gold-backed stable coins are a bit safer option for people to look at. So I'm in talks with a company right now called Apollo Fintech. They want me to promote their, their gold-backed cryptocurrency. And, you know, I want to do it. But part of me is after USI, you know, I'm personally, I'm not going to go heavy in this. I might buy 200 bucks or something. Probably not. Probably not. But, you know, they want me to promote it through my YouTube. And I would just feel awful if, if people lost a lot of money. But it does seem like a legit company. It's just really, it's difficult. Yeah, well, you would just want to scrutinize their auditing a bit. Like if they are auditing it themselves, 
that's not very credible. They should have they should have a third party auditor that's publishing reports that have some information that you could use to to verify. You know, if if there is gold in vaults someplace, those vaults are not going to mind you uh, calling or getting in touch with them and making some type of inquiry. Yeah. So basically, they they have their it's the same. They're mining, they're mining the gold and the gold is backed by the, or the, the crypto is backed by all the assets the company have. And basically if anything happens to the company, you'll be able to cash out the equipment. You'll own the rights to all the mining and, and the gold deposits and stuff. It just sounds, it sounds like, it sounds like I can't put, I can't wrap my head around how much actual gold they have and how much actual mining they have and the actual real fundamental value of the asset. If I don't know the fundamental value of the asset, you know, it doesn't make any sense. So I need to, I have more questions to ask him. I'm going to speak to him today, but I, but I know how the conversation is going to play out. He's going to have an answer to every single one of my questions, just like this. Yeah, well, you're doing, you're doing okay. So if it seems like a borderline thing, then just, then just don't don't do it. I mean, it's kind of a shady game. These the paid endorse YouTube endorsements. That's that's kind of a shady game to dabble in. You know, that's you know very slowly selling your soul to the devil. So if it yeah, if it feels not quite right, then maybe don't do it. But if you this is what you could tell a guy. You could say you could say, look, my hourly rate is a hundred bucks, and it's going to take me. It's going to take me five hours to scrutinize your auditing reports. So, do you, can I spend that time and then double check to make sure that it's legit? And uh, can you compensate me for that time? And if if they say yes, then that's kind of a good sign because a scammer a scammer is not going to want that. Yeah. Yeah, it's just there's huge there's huge YouTube channels promoting it, and but that would be such a stupid thing. Oh, they're promoting, you know, they they they're they're feeling the same greed as I'm feeling. Like, if I was to hop into it and start promoting it today, it would just be purely based on on greed. Yeah, what you'd want to look at is if they could produce examples of people that. So this is a gold backed cryptocurrency that you're describing, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think I might've, I think I might've seen it uh, out there because I have some familiarity. I have not bought the one that you're talking about. I bought uh, Oris Gold most, most recently I found reading their, their white paper. I found, I found them credible, but the, the ultimate sign of credibility would be if they could produce evidence that people holding their crypto accumulated enough of it and then just traded it in for the shiny stuff that you can pull it, put in a, a safe. That would be the real sign of credibility. I don't think you can do that. Unless the company goes down. I, I don't know. Yeah, there's a few good points you've brought up. Mm -hmm. What do you think of XRP right now? Um, I'm invested. That's my biggest holding. It just, it, did you see its price action today? No. 
Oh my God, dude. It went to 50 cents today from, from 25. No, mm. it was maybe more than, I don't know. It went, it went to like 52 cents. Um, so that, yeah, um, I, I love XRP. I love their connections with all the central banks, all the important people. I think it's going to be massive. And XRP does, I don't know that much about it. Does it run on Ethereum or is it like Bitcoin? It's its own, it's its own blockchain and it's the fastest blockchain. Three set, if I was to send it now, it would be there in three seconds. It's the best thing I've ever used. And that's, that's why I like it so much. Ah, that's very cool. I, I'll add that to my website because my website, marketplacegold.com, you might've checked it out. It's a geo directory. So I want to create something that's going to compete with what, what is it? Spendabitcoin.com and CoinMap. I think I could improve on those a little bit, but I want to focus a little bit more on the stable coins. And I really like the idea of, of tokenization of precious metals or uh, tokenization of, uh, of uh, assets that people might use. I think that's going to be, I think that's going to be a, a future trend because you think about a resource like, I don't know, like steel, okay, like steel is used all around the world in a million different things. And there's all sorts of complex logistical systems that businesses are gonna use that to manage quantities of steel. And so it just makes sense to have a, uh, like an Ethereum smart contracts that are attached to pieces of steel. And it could be, you know, as simple as something like steel or gold or really any hard asset. You can, you stamp it with a, with a number and then that number can get associated with a smart contract. And then it would, it would actually, that would be a thing where it would, where for the people that were in the gold business, it would probably make more sense for them to be using something like uh, smart contracts on the Ethereum network to manage supplies of gold. Um, at least that's, that's kind of the argument that was made to me in the, the white paper for uh, Oris Gold, which I bought recently. There's a huge problem I see in the, for tracking these kinds of assets. So for example, gold and silver is based on the price of the derivative rather than the value of the actual asset. If you're to go and buy gold and silver physical, you're going to pay a lot more than the actual real price of gold and silver, you know? Right. So especially with these crypto custodies with banks that's been passed, what's stopping the banks turning your crypto into digits on the screen and selling that crypto or holding, doing whatever they want with that crypto. And suddenly instead of 21 million Bitcoin, there's hundred million Bitcoin because the banks are just, they've turned Bitcoin into a fiat currency by having custody of your assets. Hmm. I'm not sure. I would like to think that the, the cryptocurrency community, all the people out there that have loud microphones on social media, you know, we hold that 21 million Bitcoins as such a sacrosanct number that if there was a bank that was screwing with it, I think they would just get put on 
blast in such a way that they would that they would lose credibility. I would I would hope that would be the way it would work. Okay, so I am going to link below wherever people are listening to this podcast to your book on <laughs> cryptocurrency scams, which is pretty short. So people should probably just take an hour or two to read it. It'll probably save you some money. And then your YouTube is Maddie GTV, correct? Yeah. Okay, and you are mostly talking about cryptocurrency there. You also got some book reviews going on. What else do you got going on? Just the book summaries and crypto. However, I've stopped the book summaries for now. I'm gonna wait until crypto dies down because if I can make you know twelve thousand views a day on crypto, and then I, if I chuck in a couple of book summaries, it just messes with the, the whole algorithm, everything. So um, I'm just gonna keep putting out crypto content for now. Sure. They're sure. amazing book summaries. It'll probably change your life, change your perspective, getting through all those. I know yeah. it has for me. You know, like all the hard times I went through, I was never like that depressed about it. I was just like, oh, you know, everything's gonna be fine. And if yeah, not, then it's fine it's anyway. Good to have a bit of a bit of stoicism to get through the storms of life. Yeah. Yeah. I would really love it if you would read my book. Yeah. My book. Summarize it. Yeah. My book is entitled Don't Stick Your Dick in a Blender, How to Meet a Nice Girl Instead from a Tantric Husband with a Better Sex Life Than You. Okay. You're going to have to repeat that again. Okay. You can find it on the title. It is, a, it is a long title. You know, long titles are in vogue nowadays. And so I'm, I'll am i link to that book below How this. To, don't stick your dick in a blender. How to meet a nice girl. Instead, Instead, from a tantric husband with a better sex life than you. Wow. And so it's kind of my journey as a nomadic seducer kind of guy and some of the unconventional sort of lessons that I learned that then resulted in me having uh, a really, really great marriage. Although it doesn't necessarily have to be marriage, but I just for you personally, for you personally, I think there's a few chapters in this book that you might benefit from. And there is an audiobook, So I would actually be happy to Send that I mean, like the kind you. of girls I attract is, is just shocking. Like this, this one other day, she has a boyfriend and they all seem to have a boy. They always have a boyfriend. And I'm always that like guy on the side. El amante. And they never take me seriously. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a pretty bad sign. In Latin America, they have crimes of passion. They have a little bit of a different legal code around murders that occur when when some guy gets murdered for messing around with someone else's girl uh i lived in colombia for several years and yeah there's 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 some like some real danger this is potentially a whole lot more dangerous than the, the cryptocurrency game that we've been talking about so I, yeah, I'd love to send uh, my book over to you. It's, it's kind of long, so you might not want to 
read all of it. Like I'm, trying, I'm not trying to take their girlfriend away from them. Mm -hmm. So it's not like, I, I, I don't see any reason why she would say, oh, this is the guy I was cheating on you with. Yeah, yeah, you'll, you will increase the quality of the character of the women that you might date by not using online dating, uh, online dating uh, filters. Uh, it can, you can find beautiful women certainly doing online dating, but the, it, it, online dating, especially the apps, they, they hack our personality in a, in a, in a really, in a really bad way. So if you're going out there in the real world, uh, doing date game, if you're the with that now is I, I worry about, um, you know, doing day game now with all the, I feel like there would be so many more roadblocks to run into like, Oh, the, nah. Cause if you've already spoke to them in their face. No, I, I don't, I have not, I've been married for several years very happily. So I have not done day game during these uh, terrifying uh, COVID times, but the, uh, okay. So you're in Latin America. So Latin American got, geez, we're going on a total tangent now, but I, I think it might be relevant to some of the listeners. So in Latin America, day game in the Anglo English speaking world is a super high risk kind of thing to do. In the Latin American world, it's not so high risk. However, we're in the COVID times where a bunch of people are wearing face masks. Everybody's afraid to talk to each other. So I, I doing- a girl in a face mask, man. I, I don't wear the face mask outside. But when I see someone in a face mask, I'm just like, come on, man, please take face mask off. It just oh, drives me insane. You, you, I hate you, the face mask. I understand. I understand. Doing day game, you would just ask them to remove the face mask. Just be like, don't, don't worry. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna kill you. It's a beautiful okay. day. I want to see, I'd like to see your beautiful face for just a moment. We're probably gonna survive and get through all this. I, I would oh, do it that way. much better than me. Like, remove the mask. <laughs> well, yeah, you want to be a little bit assertive. You are in, you are yeah. in Latin America. I would love for you to try that and then tell me if it, you know, tell me if, if it works out pretty well or if it, if you crash and burn. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> my, my, if, if it wasn't so easy on Tinder, this is what I was doing in Barcelona. I was doing Instagram. So I would, I would go on the local thing on Instagram and you definitely find higher quality girls when you're messaging girls on Instagram. Maybe not like, it's just a perception. It's like the same girls. I bet the same, the girls on Instagram are also on Tinder. Mm -hmm. And the girls in day game are also on Tinder. Mm, possibly. It's it's a rather, Tinder is such a sausage fest, proportionally speaking, that a random, attractive young woman walking down the street, it's probably more likely that she is not on Tinder, or at least not active on Tinder. So, adas is fortuna or huvat. You know, you gotta, gotta take a chance. You only live once. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, hey, it's been great uh, chatting with you. Uh, in the future, if you have some more insights on cryptocurrency scams, it's yeah, it's something that I'm deeply concerned about. I'm going to, I'm working on a deep dive article right now that's going to dissect a bunch of different ones, and I've got about 14 or 15 different 
red flags of cryptocurrency scams that I'm going to have in that article. So maybe I'll run it past you when I when I publish it and you can maybe add a little bit of insight to it. I'm Jonathan with marketplacegold.com looking forward to a continued conversation with you.